Um, oh, and by the way, um, are you actually part wizard? Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Stranger, welcome to Backyarders. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, happy to be here. So I'm from Southeast Queensland, Australia, and I mostly do photography with a DSLR and a standard uh, Skywatcher Star Adventurer, which is pretty much, I feel like it's, it's a good way for people to start off. And I want to share share ways for people to start without having to invest in huge amounts of gear. Fantastic. And I think that's how most of us start. And um, uh, like it's, um, but there's, you know, it doesn't take you long when you get into it to start um, coming across information that tells you you should be buying this or upgrading to that. So um, it's, it's really helpful, I think, what you're doing with that. You are like, you've got to be properly trained, right? No. You've, you're not, you, you haven't like, like not even a TAFE course? No, uh, I had, I had a teacher when I was in grade 12 and she, I think she did a TAFE course on photography, but she only gave me bits and tricks. So most of it is self-taught and just, yeah, bits and pieces from other people. But no, I've never paid for a lesson or anything like that. Yeah, right. Well, because everything like, it's framed beautifully. I saw you pull focus from um, in a, uh, I think it was a, a video. You pulled focus live. I think you were handheld as well. Um, the latest video that I put up. Oh, maybe. And you ended up where you finished was um, some ripples in the foreground in the water. Yeah, yeah. And some pools in the water. And it, like, like I know you're sort of involved in some videography like for work um, yep. and like the framing exposure, like you've got it all sorted. So that is um, phenomenal for self-taught. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> honestly, well, with the focus, it's quite easy now because my D780 has um, focus peaking. So it shows you where your focus is. So I can kind of cheat with that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Okay. So don't give me all the credit. <laughs> well, I know um, I, I use a D850 because I, um, I just went all out and just went, I'm going a D850. Yeah. And, of course, then, you know, a few years later, everything goes mirrorless and you go, oh, maybe I should have. But, um, no, I'm really happy. But I get a couple of brackets and a little dot in the middle, and that tells me when I'm in focus. Um, and then I sort of check it visually as well but is that what you're talking about or is there something different with the d780 um, yes yeah, so the d780 has the sensor from the z6 okay so, um it carries all the mirrorless capabilities so basically when i shoot with mirror up my camera turns into a z6 basically yeah right so it has all the like um i auto focus and well i think other cameras have that but it has all the different features that only mirrorless cameras seem to have. So it's like a hybrid, I guess. Yeah, um, nice. Great. The only reason I chose that over the Z6 was because of the battery life, which is massive. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I think I think the battery life on the Z6 is about three to 400 shots, and then this one is about 2,300 shots. 
yeah that's well that should be enough because that's the thing isn't it like you know um a lot of the bells and whistles in cameras these days are kind of nice to have but you can you can do what you need to do with the exposure triangle but if you've run out of juice there's nothing you can do exactly yeah and yeah. people are like oh just buy more batteries but then i'm like I don't want to be like lugging around 20 batteries. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. And um and they're not cheap. They're not cheap. I mean they're better than they were, but it's still like 80 bucks for a battery and that's, that's Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got two and that that's enough to get me through um a night of deep sky. If I go out somewhere dark, um um two batteries is usually enough even in cold weather. If the temperature is a little bit more mild, um, they last a bit longer. But um, yeah, yeah, batteries, the uh, the forgotten the forgotten heroes of astrophotography. So you um, you uh, so you've got a D, you're packing a D seven eighty and um, what other sort of gear? I know you've you're the recent well relatively recently acquired a tracker. Yeah, I got that from a friend. Um, that was back in June. Yeah, I've probably used it too much. <laughs> um, and that because I started, how long have I been shooting Astrophonel? Probably over two years, maybe maybe three years, maybe. Um, yeah, so I the first two two and a half years I shot without a tracker and. I pretty much relied on stacking to get better images. And people were like, how are you stacking without a tracker? Don't you need both of those? Um, and I was I was pretty heavy on like, you don't need both of those. You can get pretty decent results uh, just, just by doing short exposures. Like I was shooting 50 mil for like six second exposures. So I wasn't getting any trailing. Um, and then just stacking those. And people were like, you're gonna have to get a tracker and see what you can do. And I put it off for so long, I was like, that's, that's a lot of money, you know. I could buy a nice lens or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then, luckily, one of my friends he got a tracker and he said, "Oh, I just don't use it much." And then he got really frustrated aligning on the southern uh, southern pole. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he's like, "Stuff this. You, you can have it." Um, so I paid him a decent amount for it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and as soon as I got that, uh, um, I just had to get over the hurdle of learning to polar align, um, which I found a few tricks for now at my place. And since then, it's just changed everything. Like my brain's just like, wow, I can do so much more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, polar alignment. And I mean, for me, uh, longer exposure beats high ISO every time. But, um, but I've tried on a fixed tripod I've been at like say um, 28 mil and I just thought, well, what I'm going to do is just um, set a multiple exposure and just get the core on its way down and then surely it'll stack out, right? Like if I yeah. just, if I do short enough exposures to not have any trailing um, and then, you know, it'll, it'll stack out and that, that, that's a lazy way to get the core and it didn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. You've got to move, move your camera every time. Well, not every time because mm. I'm looking through my old shots on my Instagram now and I'm kind of cringing, <laughs> but um, you can, you, you just have a, you end up with a bigger crop. So 
if you're shooting at say, um, say you're shooting at like 35 mil, you're probably gonna crop into maybe about 40, 45, because when I stack, I stack in deep sky stacker. So mm. it automatically crops that in for me. Um, I tell it to do the, what is it? Intersection mode, intersect mode, I think it is. Um, yeah, so you, it can be done. It's just not, uh, what's the best way of putting it? It's not optimal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a good workaround. If you don't have a tracker and you can't afford one, then I definitely encourage people to look into doing that because it's a good, a good workaround until you can get your hands on a tracker for sure. Absolutely, because that's that's like one of your um, that's one of your missions, right? I think I remember you saying um, online once that you know you, you were kind of showing what could be done with inexpensive gear or you know um, mi minimal kind of um, like tracking and guiding and um, like just with a DSLR and stuff. Yeah, and um, yeah, and you do it too, and you do it. And it's um, and it's so that's one of your missions. But you also um, do a bunch of science communication on um, Instagram stories and stuff that I um, that I just quietly lurk and and have a look at <laughs> from time to time whenever there's a launch or you know something new's been announced. And you explain it really well. So how how did you sort of start off doing that? Oh wow, um, this could go back a very long way. This, this could be a very long story. I'll try not to, but um, pretty much, like, I think everyone when they're a kid, they kind of have a connection to space because it's kind of like this, I don't know, it's just, it just makes you think and you kind of just wonder about it, I guess. Um, and that kind of died off probably, I don't know, probably for 10 years or so. And I just didn't really pay attention and then I think it was in Bali 2018, something clicked and I was just like, wow, this stuff is awesome again. And that's when I was getting into Astro as well. Um, so it all came back at once. And then I guess I realized that a lot of people, at least what I see, uh, a lot of people over here don't know about a lot of the cool stuff that's going on with space exploration and all the science behind it. So I was like, maybe I should just start sharing this. I only have a small audience, but they seem to be pretty engaged. Um, so I just slowly started posting things that I thought were interesting, like about uh, rocket launches, launching cool satellites that um, help help us understand our planet better or things like that. People going up to the space station. Like a lot of people don't seem to realize that we have a space station going around Earth and it's been occupied for 20 years without without any gaps picking people up in space station no it's phenomenal guess, right yeah yeah it's it's incredible and i just want to share that with people and hopefully they can get as excited as i do and share it with other people yeah because that's that's um like one of the driving um and by the way we'll um i'm gonna try to figure out a way um <laughs> Because this is all, this is, you're our very first backyarder, welcome aboard. Um, and this is all new. Um, and when I get the podcast out there, I'll try to link your Instagram, Harry underscore stranger, um, yep. Instagram account to this podcast so that people can very easily find you on there and, and 
um, start following along with these stories that you're posting and also um, check out your awesome images. But um, that's that's one of the that's one of the driving sort of questions for this for this podcast is if everything is meaningless, why do we take space pictures? <laughs> that's a big question. Yeah. Um, I think, well, some of us, are, I think some of us, we just think it's pretty and we're like, I want to get pictures of that and show yeah. people. Yeah. But then I think, I think some of the, some of us also think that, I don't know, it's, it's really weird because when I'm out there, I'm like, like it, it feels like you're exploring. I, I don't know if anyone else gets that feeling, but like if I just just taking like one single long exposure of the Milky Way, you kind of like you kind of just like fall into that image, and you're like, I can't wait to go out there, <laughs> or until yeah. people get to go go out there and just see things. I don't know. I it's that's a big question. And I yeah. Get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It, it is a big question because really like, you know, like the scientist in me goes, well, it's just um, uh, like it's gravity infusion. That's, yeah. that's, that's, and it's just chemical reactions and chemical reactions don't care about your space picture. You know, they're just, <laughs> they're just sort of shifting electrons around and, and um, you know, the fact that we, we like the shapes, um is meaningless to the electrons but um but there's a lot of us doing this and talking about it and supporting each other with it and um uh yeah and then space exploration as well you know it's an old it's an old debate um why do we spend so money so much money on space exploration when we have so many problems here and i yeah in fact i think just this week you you answered that really well or unless I was looking back actually I might have been looking back actually on your insta you have a um, like a highlights uh, why why space? space yeah yeah actually that's where I saw it and um, yeah. you know you pointed out that actually um, the American budget is huge and the NASA portion of it is relatively tiny but um, yeah, so as a as a number of dollars it's big yeah yeah, well, $20 billion is a lot for any single person, right? If, yeah. if someone came and, and dumped $20 billion in your bank account, you'd be like, yeah, this is this is epic. <laughs> but for, for, <laughs> for EQ8, a, here I come, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 200 mil triplet, agency, yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a government agency, that's, you know, that's nothing. For, for a government agency that's keeping a space station alive and exploring planets, doing science for um, uh, aerodynamics and looking after our planet, like $20 billion is nothing because it's, so if you were a taxpayer in the US, for every tax dollar that you pay to the government, only five cents, wait, no, only half a cent of that goes to NASA. Half yeah. a cent, 0 0.05, wait. That's right. And then you pointed out about the returns, which are far greater in proportion to that investment, right? I think NASA um, has the largest returns of any government agency in the US. I yeah. Think. Don't quote yeah. me on that, but I think. Yeah, um, look, government services are pretty much a you know a loss-making 
enterprise always. So the fact that, well, yeah. that's probably, that's not true, but, you know, I mean, my, my background is health and community services and, and you're never in it to make a profit um, yeah. in, in public health services. Um, so the, the fact that NASA is making any return on investment, um, you know, is great. And the fact that, and you're telling us now it's, it's the greatest return on investment. Oh, that, that's, that's fairly compelling. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Don't quote us. Um, we're backyarders. It's all right. Um, but uh, like, it's, it's the, it's also the Starlink debate for me as well, isn't it? Like I, I waiting for this one. <laughs> yeah, I never, like, I always want to go Starlink. Like I, I went outside the other night trying to work out whether I should have set up. And so I'm looking up and I'm waiting for my eyes to adjust and seeing the high cloud and thinking that nah, oh, it's a good thing I didn't. Um, but, you know, guaranteed when I look up, I'm going to see a satellite and it's probably now a Starlink. Um, and I want to complain about them, but then if, if it delivers uh, affordable internet to um, equitably around the world, like you, you can't argue with that because education is just so important and access to information is the driver of that. Right. So, you know, yes, it fouls up our pictures, but what does it give us instead? So, this is this is really interesting, and I've wanted to dive into this somewhere for a long time, but I've never known how to word my thoughts. Like now, now that I can actually speak out loud about it, instead of writing Instagram posts or stories, I feel like I can just get the information out. But I see a lot of one-sided uh, posts and information about it. So there's either the astronomers who just hate Starlink and that this is the worst thing ever. We should ban it, you know, stop stop them launching these satellites. Which is which I can understand some of that. But then I see the other side which are like the SpaceX fans, you know, like the Elon Musk fans, and they support them no matter what. And they're like, oh stupid astronomers, you don't need to see the stars. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. guys, why is that important? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, we can work together on this. Like I, I can see both sides. Like having worldwide internet like for example, I have work internet. It's like ADSL, you know, like awful, awful, awful internet. Um, so I'd love to have Starlink to get good internet speed. Um, but at the same time, I still want to take photos of the night sky. And they are working to, you know, dim the satellites. And you can do negative stacking to get the satellites out of your pictures and things like that. So I think I think we can meet in the middle and... Yeah, it's still early days. They have a long way to go, and I'm sure it's only going to get better from here, even though there'll be more satellites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably um, regret saying this later, but, um, you know, I, I, I'll often just leave the satellite in, um, yeah. main, mainly because uh, in their picture, mainly because, it, like, it is part of, like you said before, it's kind of like you're exploring, and particularly... Um, a dark dark sky trips, you know, um, on new moon weekends, they're they're kind of they they don't fall off trees, um, yeah. Uh, and and so and and so if you're doing one of those and something goes wrong, um, like um, I remember one where clouds came in, it was windy, my guiding was terrible, um, and so I only got something like fifteen subs. That was it for the whole for the whole night, and um, so I'm like, 
Well, I don't want to take it to 14 subs. 15's already not enough. So I'm just going to leave that satellite in. And it was part yeah. of the experience, you know, like. Just get um, one more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you on a, on a shoot? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's weird, but it was kind of creepy. Uh, a friend and I, we went out, we went out to shoot Astro at like 2am or something like that. And we were, it was, I think it was pretty foggy as well. And we were driving down this road, dirt road in the middle of nowhere, trying to find a nice spot. And all of a sudden we come out of the fog and there's just this white horse stood in the middle of the road. <gasps> wow. And <laughs> we just about uh, made a mess in our pants. <laughs> because you come out of the fog and then there's just this horse just staring at you. With yeah. Eyes glowing from the headlights they've got on. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was, that was pretty scary. There was another time. And then the horse said, I'm in a road. (laughs) 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 Oh, it was, it was pretty creepy. We were on watch that whole night. We kept hearing sounds, but oh God, there's a horse right next to us. (laughs) (laughs) It's the demon horse. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the, probably, that was actually pretty creepy. Um, Some people probably be like, it's just a horse, get over it. But no, that was pretty scary. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't think the horse cared about your space pictures. No, the horse, the horse was trying to uh, put some more satellites in my in my subs. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right because um, I think if you turn on um, Sigma a Kappa Sigma clipping, you can remove the horse from your pictures. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Um, yeah, because it's you know like it, it is always an adventure. I find, um, and like it's it's probably the closest I've I'll ever come to hunting. I think, yeah, um, is photography in general. Like, um, well, you are hunting. I mean, yeah, just in a different way. Like it was like when I got uh, was it I think it was Comet Swan earlier this year back yes. in May. I that was that was the hunt. That was <laughs> I had one clear morning. And I, I have trees around my house, so I can only see from about 25 degrees above the horizon and up. So I only had about 30 minutes of time between the comet coming above the trees and sunrise. And that was that was the hunt every single day, apart from one, there was clouds. And I managed to get, uh, what was the image I did? What was it? I got 75 frames, each of them was six seconds. So nice, yeah. And you were at, I think you were at ISO 5000 for that? Or have I confused yep. it with a different picture? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Six seconds. Wow. I got onto that with two rigs <laughs> and you <laughs> and you did a much better job than I did with either of them. So <laughs> at six well, seconds. That was, yeah. that was pure luck. Yeah, uh, although in my defence, um, the east east of me is is uh, the worst sky glow I get in my backyard, and um, uh, yeah, and it was a work morning. I couldn't east. get out. Yeah, uh, worst of mine is to the south where Brisbane is. No, you can just see like a big glow. Yeah, so that's where that's where polar aligning is difficult for me because it's right in the middle of that sky glow. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be a pain because particularly with a tracker. Um, 
you're you're actually uh, are you looking through a polar scope or something in a track? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I have, I found a few tricks to uh, get around that, um, but it's still difficult every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the those all stars they tend to sit right on the tree line outside my house, so as long as so usually I just take a picture of the tree line and find out where those stars sit on the tree line. No. Oh, okay. Like, identify a feature in the tree lines to look for through the polar scope. Yeah. I'll find that, and then I can see the stars clear as day. Like, uh, I know where they are. But, yeah, finding it without those trees is, yeah, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> that is actually an awesome trick. I haven't thought about doing that before because I, it, yeah, because I, um, like, uh, there, there are lots of people who, who really enjoy um, the kind of, um, coming up with scientific techniques to really perfect their polar alignment and stuff like that. Oh, I'm not one of them. I just want to start imaging. <laughs> and so, and so I use sharp cap. It tells me I get within like 10 arc seconds or whatever of error um, with polar alignment. And I'm all right with that. It says, excellent. I'm like, thanks for the validation. Now let me start imaging. Um, and I remember, I think it was in primary school, a teacher telling us how to find the South Celestial Pole visually by like bisecting, um, like you extend a line under the Southern Cross, if you can see it, if it's the right time of year, you, you take the long axis of the Southern Cross, extend it down um, about, I think it's about five or five and a half um, lengths of the Southern Cross South. And then you bisect that line with a line that comes perpendicularly to the pointers <laughs> right and you yeah. shoot that line down visually and then like if you're shooting at sort of even 50 millimeters that's fine if you're doing star trails and stuff which was the context he gave that to us but if you're trying to polar align your telescope mount or your tracker that's just not going to cut it <laughs> <laughs> not at all it's yeah well, because i've tried using sharp cap and then I always do it on the worst of nights. Like I'm getting attacked by mosquitoes, and yeah, I never, I never seem to do it when it's winter and there's no mosquitoes. There's nothing to worry about. I have yeah. these long dark nights, but no, I always seem to leave it for summer. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I came up with that that way of doing it. And I think that's a good way. So if anyone's ever struggling to polar line down south, yeah, try try take a picture with if you have a DSLR with you, try take a picture of the those four stars that you need and have like an object to start right near them. So if it's a tree in the distance or even um, if you have a friend with you, get them to go stand in the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so when you look through the polar scope, if the stars are right above their head. Um, yeah, nice. And you're yeah, talking I'm, about I'm octans, still... right? The four stars? Yeah. yeah. Four stars, yeah. which are really dim. I hear people complain about aligning on Polaris every time i'm just like please don't <laughs> yeah i know right i know it's right there it's right there do you know i don't i'm not sure i've ever seen um octans properly um I have. Come, I, come up here and you can see them yeah like well and you're talking about like you're in brisbane sky glow and south for me in my backyard is actually um the lowest light pollution um oh, um but it is sort of I don't know. There's, they're probably still low enough that that um, there is some there. Well, but like, yeah, 
Yeah. They should be further up in the sky for you, shouldn't they? Since you're much further down. A little bit further south. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, they well, should. I'm at, I'm at negative 27, I think. Oh, we're at minus 35. So, yeah. that's. Okay, so, you've got, you got, you got a lot of height on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you've got Andromeda better. <laughs> Barely. I've, I've got trees blocking my view, so I have to go, I have to go up somewhere to find Andromeda. Yeah. <laughs> but I won't complain. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, what, what aside from the mosquitoes and... Um, um, you've you've nailed polar alignment, so that's no longer hard. But what's the hard what's what's like the hardest thing about doing astrophotography um, for you? Um, probably, I want to say staying up long enough because <laughs> I'm a night owl, but I just get lazy. So once it gets to midnight, I'm like, I don't want to have to pack up my gear any later than this. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Like last night, I could have stayed up till probably, I think we had clear skies until like 2 or 3 a.m. But it got to 11. I was just like, I'm tired. <laughs> so I'm just going to, I'm going to take a chance and hope that tomorrow is good as well, which it should be good tonight. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's You've um, also raised awareness about um, chronic fatigue syndrome in, in some of your posts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's another question as well statement um yeah so i have chronic fatigue syndrome uh with like i guess in brackets because it's not it's one of those things that's really hard for uh to get diagnosed basically because yeah it's like there's like an umbrella of all these different things and there, there's just a lot going on but it's yeah they say it's at the moment they think it's chronic fatigue syndrome slash fibromyalgia mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. it's it's a lot to explain but mm. basically basically uh my energy levels plummet really quickly yeah and that can be that can be a quite a struggle with um doing astro especially setting up and your brain starts to like forget things and then you start to worry if you're doing the process wrong because you can't think 100 percent clearly um, yeah, I'm not sure. Did you have any questions? <laughs> that yeah. Be... yeah, well, I'm I mean, I'm really sorry, man, because, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that because it, uh, it, it would be, it would have a major impact on life um, and certainly astro within life. Yeah. 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 I mean, no need to be sorry about it. Like, I'm not caught up in it. Well, I mean, it, it definitely affects life, but it's not something that I'm trying to, I don't know the right way to put it is but um just try to make the best of it you know well even though it does affect how how i go about things i try to find the positive side to everything like you yeah. said earlier old soul <laughs> yeah so like you know like they, they they're kind of inching closer to better understanding what what causes this um they probably have a good understanding of the effects of it um you know um, across most people and and as they get closer to understanding the cause of it maybe they'll come up with um, what treatments or therapies to sort of help to ease those effects of it but but maybe they won't and so you, at the like in the meantime you're you're adapting to 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 living with it right so you yeah, um, yeah. The whole, the whole thing is just like adapting and you have to learn for yourself because 
I've spoken to quite a few people who have the same condition or something really similar, and everyone is so different. Even if you have the exact same condition, everything is so different. So you can have like a very mild chronic fatigue syndrome mm. where maybe you can work, you can drive, you can do everything, but you just get home and you just crash and you sleep really well. Or maybe it's, you know, once a month or once a week that you just crash and you need a day or two to completely recover. But then there's like really severe people who basically they're uh, just stuck in bed the whole time. Some are at hospitals um, and it can get pretty, pretty bad. I'm somewhere in the middle. So like I can still like look after myself and things like that, but I don't drive due to safety and I can only work small amounts of hours. Mm. Otherwise it's just, it's just not healthy. Yeah. Um, and my mind just clouds up and I can't think clearly. And then, you know, you don't want, you don't want to be at work and then you can't perform anything. Mm, so yeah. it's just, the whole thing is just a learning experience. And I'm probably, how, how long ago did this start? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, probably five years in now. And still learning almost every day, just because it just changes every day. And which can be annoying when you don't know what to expect, but, you know, just try to find the positive side of things. And I think, I think it has had some positive effects, like just learning to be more positive about things and, um, yeah, try to find the positive thing, side of things and inspire people. That's, that's kind of like my goal, inspire people. <laughs> and I think you do. I mean, to be, to be, to have adapted to living with, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, in in um, such a way that you can produce the kind of results that you're getting with your photography, time lapse, and videography is um, is very inspiring. I think um, to people everywhere. I think that um, some for some reason people like to get into a kind of binary way of thinking about things, and so kind of like, well, if I've got this, then I can't do that. Um, but you, you're well and truly in the space of, well, if I've got this, then some days I can do this and other days I do it like this. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the best way to look at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because there are some days where it's, it's a perfectly clear night, nice and, nice and cold in winter and my body's just like, nope. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to go, I, I want to go out and shoot Astro and my body's like, no. No, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why? But then there are other days where I'm like feeling great and I'm like, yeah, I should go shoot Astro. And I look out back and I'm like, wow, damn it. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you try to find that, that happy middle place and just adapt. Like sometimes it'd just be getting everything out early, even if I set up as best as I can, like in the middle of the day. And then all I have to do is just polar align and set the camera to uh, take photos. When, once it gets dark and then I just yeah like sometimes you just got to separate things a bit split it up into tasks and so you do imaging one night and then say you'll you'll do your proper edit for the next day or two days three days down the road um especially after a big shoot if I'm out on a big shoot with someone mm. then that's that's where it gets really difficult uh, to be honest but usually well everyone that I've met has been so supportive Especially when I go out, like they're like, "Yeah, I'll come pick you up, even if it's like 2 a.m." 
like, I'll come to your house and pick you up, you know, we'll just care for us. And it's awesome. Like, the community is incredible. They're such great people. Yeah. And I'll, um, I'll bet that you're contributing um, easily as much as you get back from it too, though, Harry. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really do. So I saw on the, on the 15th of August, you posted a, um, a time lapse. Um, and you talked about how you, you um, extended the exposures um, as the sun went down and, and made the water really creamy. Um, Where, which, which one was it last year? year? Oh, yeah, it was last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, is it the one with the boat? Yeah, it's the one with the boat. Um, you've got a boat in the foreground. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So with that time lapse, um, you set a run of exposures and then you adjust the settings and, and trigger the, the next run of exposures. Is that how you do that or take us through it? Um, I cannot remember how I did it back then, <laughs> to be honest. Um, my, my time lapse workflow has changed quite a lot since, mm. since then. So that might have been that might have been manual um, manual exposure control. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Um, so I can I can write it down. I was probably probably hiding my secrets back then as I worked it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm more open with it now, but at the time I was like I don't want to tell people and then give them like a really bad workflow <laughs> if they want to use that. So I was kind of like secretive until I found something. But um, so now I use an app that's called hold up one moment, uh, QDSLR dashboard. And oh right. Bas basically, it's 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 like a really um, a really manual control for your phone. So I mean, not for your phone, for your camera. So if you have a DSLR camera, you can connect it to your phone with a USB cable. Um, and then the phone will control the camera. So I can set up a, what, what do they call it? It's uh, exposure ramping. So as, as the sun goes down and the sky gets darker, the camera, the camera obviously reads that it's getting darker, so it wants to do longer exposures. And it tells that to the phone, and then the phone will go, okay, I'm going to bump up your exposure from, say, half a second to a third of the third of a second yeah right you get you get the right um right exposure and it keeps following that and you can set a max so say you don't want it to go any longer than 10 seconds you can say okay i don't want to go any longer than 10 seconds but you can push the iso up to i don't know 12,800 12, or whatever it is yeah yeah um, and it'll it just keep pushing until it gets to that max uh and then you go process it in a software called lr time lapse which is free but there's also paid versions yeah um, right and basically it ramps the exposure so you get a nice clean transition from day to night or night to day whichever way you want to go around um yeah and that has been such a fun workflow i enjoyed time lapses so much um probably more than astro sorry to say <laughs> no no that's cool because you know like this is just um a, like really um we all love photography right and astro is just yeah. sort of a big part of part the of photography that. that we do but um your time lapse work you can tell you enjoy it because it's just phenomenal some of the 
um, time lapse and videos with the with the fog rolling through. Like you're just yep. smashing it. Like um, it's cinematic what you're doing. That's that's the goal. That's the goal. Um, yeah. Cinematic footage and just try to capture the beauty and in our landscapes, especially right now. I think everyone needs that to see what's around us. Uh, yeah, to go out and capture that fog was. My mind just about broke. <laughs> we we were out there. We left at two a.m. or something crazy like that, and I was I was feeling pretty miserable. Not gonna lie, it was early. I don't like mornings. Um, and we were out there in the fog, and I was getting worried. I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this movement in the fog is gonna be enough, or yeah. Besides, there might be a horse. Through. There might be a horse that's gonna come <laughs> and like take us out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we actually did see a horse that morning. Oh no! Um, <laughs> and cows, I think. Um, but yeah, to see to see time lapses come together after hours of shooting and yeah. getting all those little technical things right, and just hoping you've done it right, and listening to that camera just fire away every like few seconds, and then you see it come together, and you're just—it's so satisfying. It's yeah, that's why I love time lapses. I think it's just satisfying to see it all come together. I know, right? Because, and uh, maybe people don't realise, you know, like when they're seeing like a time lapse that goes for, say, 30 seconds or something, they don't realise that that's actually taking you four hours. Yeah. Like, what's the longest kind of time lapse that you reckon you've done? Wow. Uh, it's probably too long, like too embarrassing to mention. Uh, <laughs> I've, done, I've done some test ones. I think I ever posted them. I think I did one that was about six hours. Um, and that was from sunset through to nighttime and then moonrise, I think. So yeah, you know, right. Like, all, this, all these dynamics of light. It came out pretty bad, but it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, so yeah. A lot from that. Yeah. I haven't tried it again since, but I would like to. Just to have, yeah, sunset and then you have the Milky Way go through frame and then comes to the moon. And yeah, that was pretty awesome. Not gonna lie, but that was, uh, that was that, <laughs> that was, sounds uh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, and so, where to next? Do you think what what um, what what are your goals for the next sort of year or so? Well, I really want to. Now that I've got the D seven eighty and a nice telephoto lens, I got the Tamron seventy to two ten f four. Oh yeah, um, right. It's, you know, it's not the longest focal length, but I really want to get into shooting more deep sky with that. Just go in at 210 and shoot things like Orion and yeah. Magellanic Cloud. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully Andromeda. I've got one shot in that earlier this year, but mm. it's kind of, kind of rubbish. <laughs> I thought um, it was all right. I thought it was I good. I remember what it looked like. I don't think I posted it to you. I thought I'd seen it somewhere. I thought I'd seen I you post it. Andromeda. I'd probably put it on my story or something. Maybe. Ah, right, yeah. Um, but yeah, just some more deep sky. Um, hopefully, some more time lapses because I haven't shot enough. I feel like I, I need more of those. Um, and more more space station streaks as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those those are stressful. Talk about stressful. That that gets me all like frantic and running around, making sure I've got everything lined up and the settings correct. That's 
yeah, I think that might be the most stressful thing that I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, people who really nail those captures, um, you know, I take my hat off to them. Um, it's not easy, to be honest. It's moving fast, that thing. Yeah. And the light is changing a lot. So yeah. I Usually I'll do like test exposures just for the, for the last like 20 minutes before. And, and the light changes so quick. So when, when you finally decide on the exposure you want to use, you probably want to add 30 seconds to a minute to that. And then even then, like the one I'm looking at now, which was the most recent one I posted, it's still cut off the end at the bottom. You can see it just, I, I stopped it too early. So I should have done like another 30 seconds to a minute on that. But hey, that's that's how you learn, right? Well, yeah, and like it just adds a bit of dynamic anyway. Like it sort of um, helps to tell the story that this is actually a thing that's moving. It's it's not just a line. Yeah, yeah. You know, you yeah, haven't just got some sort of it. defect on your sensor that's making a line, you know, <laughs> show up. Yeah, it's it's you know, it kind of makes a comment out of it. Um, um, yeah, yeah. No, I th yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, oh, I think two hundred's a good focal length for a lot of deep sky stuff like for for my first year in astro i just wanted more focal length i was at 900 and i wanted more 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 um but then you start like um like when you start sort of looking at say like the vela supernova remnant which is like degrees wide i think um visually or even like the seagull nebula um you need to be at 200 um um, depending on your sensor size, to fit the whole thing in, if you want to fit the whole thing in. So, you know. Well, luck luckily enough, um, well, I still have the uh, my D5300, which is the crop sensor, and I have a 300 millimeter lens for that. So what is that? That's 450 mil, but I just know that the sensor is not as good. Mm. So I still have, I still have extra reach, but once you go to a full frame sensor, it's kind of hard to do math. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Especially, especially with asteroids. Especially with asteroids. Yeah. Until you're looking at asteroid cams and then you realize that it's going to cost you an extra grand to just to get to DX. <laughs> From... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Micro four thirds starts looking pretty big after that. And actually, it's, you know, it's big enough for lots of things. Um, and you get that, yeah. that extra zoom with it, so you know, yeah, yeah. If and you get a clean image with it, there's no harm. Yeah, and you don't like. I just couldn't, you know. When you start looking at, like, I, I thought, oh, maybe I'll buy a second DSLR, like an old one, and modify it. And then you start thinking, well, when you look at that, you you may as well actually just buy a, a dedicated Astro camera, and you get cooling with it. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to build a. Um, some sort of cooling system or stick it in the freezer before a shoot. So. <laughs> and a, another thing about, just to brag about my camera, since I love it so much. Yeah. Um, one this of the is the D780, right? Yeah, the D780. Yeah. Um, brand new this year as well. So I didn't think I'd be getting my hands on it, but it was on sale. So Good job. I, I couldn't miss it. Um, it does internal uh, exposures up to 15 minutes. Which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, right. With, with a lot of DSLRs, I think most of them limit at thirty seconds. Yep. At least yep. my old one did. And then from there on, you have to use the timer. But with this, I can go up to you know sixty seconds, ninety seconds. 
I am uh, jealous of that. Is. Yeah. And it's so helpful, especially for Asterisk. So now, yeah. now I don't have to use a laptop to control the camera. I can just, all I need is the camera, a lens heater, and the, um, the tracker. And that's it. So I don't have to leave a laptop or any, any cables, anything out there. That is an awesome selling point, man, because um, I was actually, yeah, talking about expectation management, I was surprised and disappointed after, um, like, the one thing I wish my D850 had that it doesn't is the capacity to do that um, natively in, in the camera to, to, get, to go longer than a 30-second exposure. Um, well, yeah. I'm definitely spoiled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that was just a bonus. I mean, I don't want to sound again like us being spoiled, but like, I wonder if they could, if it was, if it's possible for them to add that through software update, and they just can't be bothered, or they're trying to protect other cameras. I I wonder if they just want you to buy their expensive intervalometer, because from what I've seen, the cheap sort of the cheap um, intervalometers maybe aren't compatible with my camera, so I, I'm sort of restricted to um, if I want one to. Um, to have to buy a really expensive one, um, but there is an app like there's a there's a Snap SnapBridge app that works with the D850, and so I can stand there and and um, if I want to, I can sort of manually start and stop exposures of any duration that I want um, in the app. It's but so, it's so nice having it do it automatically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the app the app works over over Wi-Fi, so that's going to chew yeah. through not just your camera battery but your phone battery as well. Um, yeah. So there's definite disadvantages um, to doing yeah, that compared you, to it in the camera. You can yeah. you can get that that app that I mentioned before. I'm not sure if you use Android or Apple. Android. I think Good. it had a Q in it, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're both Nick Nikon shooters and Android phone users. There you go. Um oh and by the way, um are you actually part wizard? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it says I mean, you know, I believe everything anyone. I read on Instagram. I wasn't sure if it was because you you know, like you're Harry and um yeah, Hogwarts has a famous Harry. That, that's a long running joke. That started off. Because that was always a thing at school, you know, everyone's like, Harry Potter jokes, and I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then, <laughs> You're a wizard, um, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then a few of my friends um, who live out on the Space Coast in Florida, where the rocket launches happen. Oh, wow. Um, they they started calling me a wizard again, because this is a whole, whole other rabbit hole. I don't really share this on uh, Instagram, but I do, um, I don't know, what's the best way to put it? Like, I do, uh, I go through satellite images. So we have certain satellites that go around the planet every single day and take photos, pretty pretty high resolution photos of the Earth. Um, and so I'm, I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of construction going on to do with space stuff and a lot of it the public can't get to. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of people... Um, they, they have no clue where it's at. And so I thought, well, there has to be a way to to monitor this through satellite images. And I was surprised that no one was doing this. So I found a way, there's a website that you, that you can go to. It's kind of secret. But oh, wow. That you can go to. <laughs> and you can, it's not really a secret, but it's kind of a bit of a... Yeah, I was going to say, because this will go on the <laughs> internet, and uh, I don't want the Secret <laughs> Service paying you a visit. 
I've already talked about it elsewhere. So okay, ASIO, ASIO might be raiding um, your house sometime soon. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. I, I'm not like hacking anyone. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> We're um, getting into some dark web stuff here. I never expected that. Oh, no, stay in the light. <laughs> no, it's definitely public info. Um, okay, you can easily find it. Um, yeah, so I, I went to this website and you can do like time lapses of all this like construction of launch pads and no way. facilities. And I was just like, this is incredible. Why is no one else sharing this? So I started sharing that and it became that running joke of this is secret. I can't tell you where I'm getting this from. And everyone's like, oh, he's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so in like the last year or so, it's kind of become a joke of like part wizard, now part wizard. <laughs> Excellent. So every every time you post an amazing image and people are like, how did you do that? You just stand back, raise a hand and just go, part wizard. Yeah. 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 I have yeah, muggle parents, it's... but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't explain it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, and I, I won't um, um, include this probably unless you want me to, but um, I, I I was going to ask you, is that your real name? Because I thought it was a pseudonym um, <laughs> no, for the no, longest time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's part of being I, part wizard. Yeah. Even, even in school, people were like, is that your real name? Or do you just like, not want people to know who you are? I'm like, no, it's a real name. <laughs> yeah. When, when you were getting the silent treatment and you're like, what's up? And they'd say, well, I don't talk to strangers. Between oh, Tish. I had so many of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My parents told me not to talk to strangers. Ha ha, I've heard that one before. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it's all good. It's fun. I, um, I just assumed, right, like when you were first commenting on some, when I was kind of screaming on Facebook about not being able to do this, and you were like offering really helpful guidance and things, and I'm like, oh, there's this kind of like retired dude in Queensland who's. <laughs> who's <laughs> really helpful and nice and that's so <laughs> i love that that's amazing but you're, you're like you're such an old soul like and i mean yeah, that I, best, best I'm of an ways. Yeah, yeah i've been told that many times before like even my teacher's like you're such an old soul uh, I, at first, I didn't know what that meant, so I'm like, okay. <laughs> but now, no, I take that as a compliment. So it is. Yeah, it I'd really rather is. be an old soul than like a 21 year old running around getting drunk all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got its. I'm glad I'm spending my money here and not elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a much healthier way to be. That's for sure. And how can people find you? Um, how can people find your work and sort of get a bit of a, like, get access to to this information that you're sharing? Most most of the stuff I post is on Insta Instagram, which my username is Harry underscore underscore stranger. Two underscores. Sorry, I missed that yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all good. <laughs> or you can just type in my name and it's, uh, there can't be many. Harry Stranger, you are a wizard. Thank you very much for being on Backyarders. This is our first, you're our, you're our first Backyarder and um, I've really enjoyed um, finding out more about all of your photography, including your astro. Um, and thanks for telling us about your gear and, and secret websites. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, we will be seeing you soon and catching up again on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we'll put a link, try to put a link to your Instagram page <laughs> 
um, when when we upload this um, podcast. And um, I've really enjoyed the chat. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. Uh, it's good to be on. Glad to be the first guest. So hopefully we can work out all the issues, <laughs> all the technical issues. <laughs> yeah, sorry about um, that. Yeah. No, it's, it's all good. Um, it's, it's to be expected. And yeah, it's been great to talk and uh, talk about some of this stuff out loud instead of trying to put it into a small Instagram comment <laughs> and things like that. So thanks for having me on. No worries at all. It's so much fun. Thank you for listening to Backyarders. We'll be back soon talking to another amateur astrophotographer because it's the people of astrophotography who emit the most light. You can find out more on Facebook and Instagram under Southern Skies or SA underscore Astro. The intro music to this podcast is brought to you by Reed Mathis, a track called Night Sky, and the outro music is Space Lady by Slink. We'll see you next time. Thank you.